Thank you, Brother Ken. Appreciate that so very much again this morning. If you folks would turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. I haven't uh, said any of these little humorous sayings or jokes for some time. It just hasn't been the right time, I don't think. But uh, a couple of them that came from Will Rogers. Those of you my age and older would know who uh, I'm talking about. Some of you young folks say who. But he was uh, kind of a humorist. And uh, let me just give you a couple of his sayings. Never slap a man who's chewing tobacco. (laughs) There are two theories to arguing with a woman. Neither one works. (laughs) Here's another one. Never miss a good chance to shut up. So we'll leave it at that. All right, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 4, we're going to be talking about giving thanks today. Uh, Just follow along as I read, if you would. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly beloved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality, or any kind of impurity, or of which are out of place, obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. One of the great characteristics of a Christian is that of having a spirit of thanksgiving. That's quite in stark contrast to the world in which we live. You know, we as Christians know that we're forgiven, know that we're in a right relationship with God, we know we're at peace with God, we are to have joy in our hearts, and cannot help but being thankful people. The book of Ephesians, Paul is telling the church there basically how a Christian is to live, some things that are to be characteristics of him. He talks about the fact that someone who was spiritually dead has now come alive, and he's writing to a church and to people who have been called out by God to live their Christian life in a culture of paganism and dead religion. Now, I want you to understand clearly what I'm saying in this introduction because you might take it wrong if you don't hear me clearly. Basically, Paul is not calling for people to have a better morality. He's not calling for them to to live in a higher moral plane. He is saying people need to be born again, be regenerate by the Spirit of God, and become a new creation. Not just calling for us to be better, to be a a new creation. Paul understood that the way to change the world was not to have a better program than they had the year before. It was not even to have better morals than they used to have. 
but to become a new person. New because the Spirit of God was at work in them. The Holy Spirit was making them brand new from the inside out, not from the outside in. We live in a world that looks at a man or a woman who becomes a Christian and will say, well, they turned over a new leaf. Or another one, they got religion. Because they don't understand what it means to have a life transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's, it's far more than just getting religion, obviously. 2 Corinthians 5.17 to me states it so well, and I use this verse often. It says, therefore, if anyone in Christ, he is a new creation. And when we talk about that, we're talking about what we are. We're born again. What we believe and what we think, we start thinking biblically. We have the, the mind of Christ, as the scriptures say. And it has to do with what, how we act. It does change our morals and our ethics when we become a Christian. Paul is saying what he wanted for these people was to become a new creation, to be born again, to think biblically, to have their behavior changed because they were brand new in Christ. Part of being thankful and living a thankful life is understanding who and what we are in Christ. He starts out by saying, we are to be... We, we've talked often, again, often about being transformed and, and conformed in the likeness of His Son, Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. Now that's a goal for us. A goal for us is to be much more like Jesus. I trust that that's your goal. We say you're more like Jesus today than you were a year ago. I just trust that that's who you are because you're growing in Christ. But, but being imitators of God is, is, is in some ways is impossible for us. Think with me for a moment. God is self-existent. He has no beginning. He's self-sufficient. He has no needs. He's eternal. He has always been and always will be. He's omnipotent, meaning He's all-powerful. He's omnipresent, meaning He's everywhere. He's, he's with us in this room today. He, he's with us, and when we leave this building, He's with us in our life, day in and day out. He's omniscient. He knows all things. There's nothing that we can hide from God. He knows everything. He's sovereign. He means He is supreme authority. Now those things that I just mentioned are, are totally impossible for us. So what does he mean when he says for us to be imitators of God? I think he gives us a couple clues here. In the first two verses, he talks about we are to imitate God because of a life of love is how we're supposed to live. And we are also to be sacrifices. So let's look at those for a couple minutes here this morning. Live a life of love. King James uses the word walk in love. Well, he's talking about our lifestyle. He's talking about our daily 
walk through this world. It's our pattern in life. In other words, we are to imitate God's love as we live in this world. Now there again, that's a, a tall order. That's, that, that should literally humble us when we think about the fact that we are to imitate God as we walk through this world. Now we understand imitating, don't we? I saw a picture, and I can't tell you where it came from. It was on the internet or Facebook or something like that, where it had a dad and his little boy about four years old, and the boy was dressed just like dad, so proud. Um, I remember a few years back when I was visiting my older brother in Pennsylvania. We were at, I think it was a flea market, and he was 20 feet in front of me or so, and, and he's walking, and I'm walking behind him, and I said, that's dad. Whether he had that same gait, that same countenance as my dear godly father. As God's children, we are to imitate our heavenly father in the area of love. And I want to say this, it's very difficult because we're very human, but we can't do it unless the Holy Spirit is in control of our lives. The Holy Spirit enables us to do that. John in his gospel, chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, he says, A new command I give you, that you love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. We are to imitate his love. Well, it begs the question, what does his love look like? Well, first of all, it's not emotion. It's not that uh, feeling we have for a brother or sister or a parent or, or a child. It's not even that uh, gooey, warm feeling we have when we fall in love when we were young. Uh, it, it's, it's, first of all, it's a, a forgiving love. Our God forgives us. He actually wants to forgive us. I've said it over and over again. He would rather deal with us in mercy than justice any time, any day of the week. And you and I find forgiveness at that foot of the cross that Brother Ken was talking about. We, we are able to, to love other people. We are able to love our God. We are able to do that and we are able to forgive people because we are forgiven people. When we look in that mirror, that spiritual mirror, and see who we are and what we were, we, we can look at ourselves and, and see and be so thankful that we are forgiven because we are so flawed. And in turn, because we know we're forgiven, we can forgive others. Nobody can offend us more than we've offended God. We can forgive others. There's a wonderful encounter in Luke chapter 7. Jesus was at the house of the Pharisee, Simon. And a woman, a prostitute they believe came in and, and as Jesus is, is reclined there and feet behind him, she comes up behind him and she pours perfume on his feet and, and her tears are streaming down her face onto his feet. And Simon is appalled. And Jesus speaks of a parable. And let me just turn to that in John, excuse me, in Luke chapter 7. Starting with verse 40, Jesus answered, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. He says, two men owed money to a certain lender. 
One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he canceled the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged rightly, Jesus answered. In that simple parable, what Jesus was saying, that this woman who had a bad reputation was pouring out her love to Jesus because she loved him because he had forgiven her of so much in her life. Her love was there displayed with a thankful heart to, to her Lord for His forgiveness. So this love that we are to display in our world is, is a forgiving love. And, and it's also a giving love. God gave. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. When we look at ourselves, and we look at ourselves before this world and we look at what God has given us. He's given us so many talents, so many skills. Those of us in this room, he has given us the privilege of living in the United States of America and in a wonderful city called Aiken. He has blessed us. He's given us his love, a love that was undeserved and that we can't earn. And he gives to us unconditionally. We imitate our God when we love like Him in the world in which we live, we display thanks when we love another in a giving way. We imitate God when we sacrifice. Have you ever been in a situation where you kind of said, whatever it takes, I'm going to do it? You see, that's what God did for us to save mankind, whatever it takes. It was sending Jesus. It was a sacrifice, our Lord and Savior. When we sacrifice, it might mean our, our time. It can mean our money. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody sacrificed something in their life so that one of these shoeboxes could be filled here today. I don't know, I, but it wouldn't surprise me at all. At times it means giving up something that we enjoy so that we can help another. It could also mean in the area of sacrifice, a standing up on an issue, on a principle. When about throughout the book of Ephesians, Paul is talking about the life of a Christian, speaking the truth. Sometimes it's not easy to speak the truth. To stop lying, sometimes a lie would... <laughs> Do so much better than the truth. To work faithfully. To encourage others. All that can include sacrificing and serving our Lord. Being thankful displays God's love and His sacrifice. Notice he then goes to a negative. Uh, basically he's saying this is what Thanksgiving doesn't look like. I, 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 the terminology he uses there in verse 3 is quite interesting. He says, there must not be even a hint of these. He, he's saying that these issues that he's going to talk about here, these sins are so serious. 
and so destructive that they just shouldn't even be within your life. They, they should be actually foreign to you as a Christian. Being a new creation in Christ brings a difference into our lives. As I said earlier, it involves what we are. We are born again. We become a new creation. What we believe and think, we think biblically. We have the mind of Christ and what we do, our actions, and again, our morals and our ethics from how we live in this world. Knowing Jesus Christ as Savior makes a difference. We live a life of thanks to God for what He's done. And it touches all aspects of our life. Our lives are to be transformed. And we can go to Romans chapter 12. And again, a passage is so familiar with, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, that you offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Our lives are radically changed, again, from the inside out when we come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. We as Christians have been called into a world to change the world in which we live. We're to change our, our culture. By being new creations, we are to impact our society with the way we live, with our morals and our ethics. The society is not to change us. That culture there at, at Ephesus was deeply immoral. It was a society where sexual sin was common. It was so ex well accepted, it was even put into practice in some of their religions. And out of that, in that, into that culture, I should say, came the gospel of Jesus Christ. A, a culture of moral purity. Just the opposite of the culture at Ephesus. And so what Paul is saying here, even though your culture says this is normal, this is the way we live here, Paul is saying as a Christian, you live a pure life. And into that same kind of culture today, we live in a society where sexual immorality and perversion is so well accepted, it's considered the norm, but our God calls us to be morally pure in the midst of that culture. Paul writing to the church at Thessalonica, First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid or abstain sexual immorality. And you notice there he gives us a list of six specific things he talks about that are contrary to good, contrary to being thankful. He talks about sexual immorality, impurity, greed, obscenity, foolish talk, and coarse joking. All of these are opposite of truly giving thanks. Now our world would not say that to us, obviously, but because we are Christians, these are to be not part of our lives. We are to give thanks. We are to be thankful for the things that God gives us, the gifts that He gives us. We're never to misuse these wonderful gifts, because when we misuse a gift, it shows we're not thankful for it. And we live in a world or misuse of gifts never brings happiness, 
never brings satisfaction. In, in fact, we just looked at this a week ago here in Galatians chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. It says, Do not be, excuse me, 7 and 8, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to pleasure his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit reaps eternal life. No one finds satisfaction by indulging and living in sin. Now, again, just bear with me for a moment. The first two talk about the misuse of sex. The greatest privilege that God has given to mankind is to have a relationship with Him through Jesus Christ. That's the greatest relationship we can have. That is the greatest privilege we can have. To have an intimacy, if I can put it that way, with our God through Jesus Christ. The next is that we would have a relationship with the person of the opposite sex. When we go and talk about that intimacy we have with Christ, we're talking about, well, actually what we're doing here today. We're here in, in worship. We're here to raise our voices in praise. We're, we're not here to please anybody else. And, in fact, and someone said that when we come to worship, there's an audience of one, and that's God himself. We're not here to, to impress anybody. We're here to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and our Heavenly Father. We also then have this privilege of a human relationship between husband and wife, a man and a woman married. And in that, you have that intimacy. You have the most wholesome, natural enjoyable and, and playful relationship within marriage, a physical intimacy. It's the deepest level of communion that we have with, uh, on earth. And it's very beneficial. It's good for our, our marriage. It's good for our health. It's good for us physically. But to misuse that, again, is not giving thanks. It's not being thankful. Then he goes on and names greed. God is the giver of all gifts. He gives us stuff. He gives it to us to enjoy. And, and again, in our culture and in our world, we have more things and more toys to enjoy and play with. But God gives those things for us to use in His kingdom. And the more He gives us, the more He expects us to use it for His kingdom. I've said this, I don't know if I've said it from the pulpit, I know I've said it individually, but Di and I had the privilege of getting out of debt about 20 years ago. It was a struggle to get there. And one of the greatest privileges we have had since then is when there is a need that comes up. We don't have to ask the question, do we have anything to give? We discuss how much we can give.
It, it liberates you, folks. Getting out of debt, living within your means is a, is a marvelous thing. God gives us stuff, and He wants us to use what He's given us for His kingdom. Be thankful for what He gives. Greed distorts that. It distorts the blessings that God has given us. And it is sad that we live in a world that so many people are not thankful for what God has given us. And then he goes on and talks about some type of speech or language or the use of the tongue. Maybe it would even be better. Our speech as Christians is to build up people, is to encourage people, and it's to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. He says there should be no obscenity. In other words, offensive speech. It shouldn't be part of who we are. We're not to have foolish speech. I would take that as tearing down something that is good and coarse jokes, vulgar jokes. I don't know how it is in the workplace nowadays, but when I was in it years back, the, the filthy jokes just were just out there. Well, thanksgiving and being thankful is the proper use of these gifts that God has given us. And again, the misuse of them should not be found amongst us. Those of us who are God's people, we are to be thankful. We are to give thanks. We are to let that thanks show by imitating God, by loving people, by sacrificially serving other people. The proper use of our language, our moral behavior, our ethicals, our positions, our stuff in our speech. The voices around us in this world are saying to us, satisfy your desires any way you can. That voice is a deceiving voice. The Christian is to imitate God. We are to show godly traits. We are to be people of thanks. The church does not exist to produce just good people or better people. Because, you see, there are good people that live around us that do not know Christ. The church doesn't exist just to produce moral people because you know as well as I do there are people around you that live very morally that have not a relationship with Jesus. The church exists to produce new creations, redeem people, born again, new creations in Christ. People who imitate Christ. And that includes, of course, our behavior, our ethics, and our morals. The word Christian means a little Christ or belonging to Christ. A Christian is an individual who has a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It's called being born again. So here's my question as we end with a th- message on thanks. Do you know Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you been born again? Have you had that spiritual birth? Or have you become a new creation? And if you haven't, today is the best day that you can start that journey. Thank you to, if you're speaking to these few moments we've had together, for your word, your truth. I, I ask you to, if you're speaking to some hearts here today about something they need to do with you, and follow after you, I just ask you to give them the courage to stand up as we sing a hymn of invitation this morning and say, declare before you and this, your church family. Shall we stand? We're going to sing a hymn.
In his name we do pray. Amen. Shall we stand? We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. Brother Steve, what are we going to do? I know you, since Jeannie had to leave, you said something different. It's on the screen there. Okay. Shall we stand? Thank you for your kind attention this morning. Uh, delightful to, to, to be here and be with you today. A great day to rejoice uh, and praise our God. Uh, let's close with prayer. Heavenly Father, again, I just want to say thank you for the privilege we have had today to be here in your house to worship, to lift our voices in praise. And Father, I ask that today you encourage us to be the men and women you've called us to be to be men and women thankful for your wonderful hand and grace upon us and that the people around us in our world see Jesus in us. Thank you again. Help us to honor you and praise you. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.